the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, Matthew 4.19, say, follow me. Say, follow me, and I will make you. Say, follow me, and I will. This is Jesus speaking. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. Somebody say, I am a follower. Say, I am a follower. Okay, I am a follower. Follow me, and I will make you. Okay, so he says in Ephesians 5 verse 1, let's read it together, one go. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Okay, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So that's the series we've been doing. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. God calls us to follow him. Somebody say, God calls me to follow him. Serving God or being a Christian means following God. That's what it means. It simply means following God and following other things as God will have us follow. And so we are called to follow God. And God has not just called us to follow him, called us to follow him in our on our own terms or in our own way. He has called us to follow him in a certain defined pattern. Somebody said there's a defined pattern. See, there's a way you follow God. When God calls you to follow him, there's a way you follow him. And we've been exploring some of the ways God expects us to follow him. Amongst many things, we say that if we are going to follow God, we must follow him decisively. Somebody say decisively. Uh-huh. So he said, number one, you must be a decisive follower. What kind of follower must you be? Number one, we said a decisive follower. Then number two, we said you must be a sacrificial follower. Somebody say, I'm a sacrificial follower. And then, of course, we talked about an orderly follower. Say, I'm an orderly follower. You see, the word of God gains life when you speak it. The word on your lips is more powerful than just the word in your heart. He said, the word is not the even the word which we have preached in thy mouth and in thy heart. And whosoever shall say, that is where the power is released. Say, I'm an orderly follower. Number four, we talked about an available follower. Say, I'm an available follower. Number five, we talked about a faithful follower. Say, a faithful follower. And then we've also talked about an intimate follower. Say, I'm an intimate follower. And then a generous follower. Okay, so humble follower is where we are presently, and we are going to continue with that. Uh, First Peter 5, verse 5 to 6. 1 Peter 5, 5 to 6. Let's read it together one go. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your... Oh, read that. Submit yourselves to your... Yes, 
all of you be submissive to and be say I have a new garment it's a garment of humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble when God watches your attire and you are not wearing humility he puts stop sign on your path stop big stop the only way you go, he tells everything you are doing, he puts a stop sign on it. Why? Because the garment of humility is not there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. Look at this. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Somebody say, I'm loved by God. Say, I am loved by God. You must do what? Clothe yourselves with tender mercies, tender mercy, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Say, I have a new garment in Christ. It's a garment of humility. Okay, so that is very important. And we said that it's important we clothe ourselves with humility. Like Peter said, he said, clothe yourself with humility. Don't wait and uh, expect that somebody will come and dress you up like you are going for an award or you are graduating from an university and they are happy you put your akapi on. No, you have to clothe yourself. Somebody say, I must clothe myself with humility. Okay, and we said that five reasons are key why we need to clothe ourselves with humility. Number one is that it is critical for followership. Somebody say, humility is critical for followership. All right, you will follow many things in life. Every point in time in your life, even when you are a leader, you are still a follower. There is no leader who is an ultimate leader. <laughs> Every leader is a follower of somebody else. All of us, I'm a leader and I follow God. I follow the Holy Spirit. I have fathers I submit to. And so everyone is a follower at one point in time or the other. And if you are going to be a faithful follower at that, you need humility. You need humility. Before you become a doctor, you have to follow your consultants to go around. Before you become a sharp carpenter, you have to be taught. Before you become a fashion designer, you have to follow someone. So at one point in time or the other, you have to follow. If you're a wife, you have to follow your husband. You have to follow someone in life. All of us are called to follow at one point in time or the other. When you are not leading, you are following. And if you are leading, you are still following. And it's important that we learn how to follow. Some of us should have been promoted a long time ago in our places of work. All right? But we have not followed well. So we are still where we are. There is somebody in the office who can give you a recommendation. Your position will change in a short time. But that recommendation is never coming. Because there's something he's looking for, he's not finding. And I pray that as you clothe yourself with humility, your level will shift. Alright, so that's key. And then we said we need to be clothed with humility because it enhances fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. Fellowship. Uh -huh. fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowshipping with one another. Fellowshipping with God. It enhances it. You cannot fellowship with people. They are so sensitive, super sensitive that you can't even play with them. So they are alone. All the time they are alone. I walk alone. They have never supported Liverpool but they are still lone workers in life. To fellowship with people. You check your life and consistently you see that you don't have any one person who is your friend for a long time in your life. It's a sign that your fellowship angle is weak. You have to work on yourself to be able to fellowship with people. It takes humility to do that. 
Some people can't say sorry, so they have no friend. Because my home is where you befriend someone. As the relationship goes higher and higher, offenses will come along the line. And it will require humility to say sorry and then continue with the relationship. All you need there to say sorry so you don't lose that good friend, kind-hearted friend. That who is all out for you is because of your arrogance. You, you feel too big to say sorry. Fellowship. And then, of course, humility is foundational. Somebody say foundational. foundational. If you are going to build your life and build it to a great life, you have to do it on the foundation of humility. The Bible said before honor is humility. Before, somebody say before honor, before honor. is humility. Yes. Say it before honor. It's humility. Uh, so humility doesn't come after honor. It comes before honor. It's a foundation for honor. It's a foundation for greatness in life. And then, of course, we said humility is essential because it makes you God's favorite. Somebody say, it makes you God's favorite. Uh, God longs to have intimate relationship with you. But he can't have it when you are so arrogant and full of yourself. No. You have to humble yourself to be able to enjoy fellowship with God and be able to have communion with him. We saw how the man Moses was such a friend of God. God said that our prophets have raised, I've spoken to them in visions and dreams, but my servant Moses is different because he's so humble. I reveal myself to him directly. May God reveal himself to you directly. Amen. I said may God reveal himself to you directly. There's no man who walked so closely with God who was not humble. And that, of course, number five, we said that we need to embrace humility and be clothed with humility because it's the key to a frustration-free life. Somebody say frustration-free life. Frustration yeah, frustration. If you don't, you don't want to be frustrated in life, please be humble. Human beings can frustrate you, you know. The power play in life, eh? As you grow and as you begin to have influence and move around circles of influence and power, that's where you begin to see the reality of power play. Power play. Power play. Power play. One man will say you are not rising and you will not rise. With all your tones, you will not rise. Because there are certain laws God has put in place. And when they are violated, tongues cannot reverse it. Am I communicating here? You see, when you pick scripture, the scripture reveals you God's person. And then it also outlines God's principles. And the principles of God cannot be violated. If you violate uh, the principle of gravity, there is no amount of prayer you will pray that you will be spared. Say, oh, see the way planes are flying in the air. Let me just, I think I can fly like that. I believe I can fly. Then you soak in uh, uh, R. song. Soak it in, soak it in. Then your wings are developing as you are soaking it in. And then you throw yourself, you begin to fly. <laughs> And while you are flying, you are speaking in tongues. God will just watch you fall and crash and destroy yourself. You will die. While speaking in tongues. I'm not communicating here. It's a principle. You don't violate it. Are you here with me? So if you don't want to be frustrated in life, the Bible said, God resists the proud. He frustrates them. He makes it difficult for them to succeed. He resists their effort. Every effort they make, God stops them. And we looked at uncommon attributes of a humble follower. If you are a humble follower, there are certain attributes you need to develop in yourself. 
Okay? You cannot be a humble follower without these attributes. If you check your life again and again, audit your life again and again, and you don't see much of these things in your life, it's an indication that humility is lacking somewhere. You see, these are virtues you have to be growing in it. You grow in it. Somebody say grow in it. Uh You have to, one, cultivate them and grow in it. And the humbler you are becoming, the more you grow in these attributes. The more you grow in it, the meeker you become in life. What are these attributes? Scripture tells us, one, is that a humble follower thinks soberly of himself. Somebody say he thinks soberly of himself. Yeah, A humble follower is not a high-minded person who thinks that nobody is better than him. He is better and everybody else is uh, wrong. I am the most beautiful person. And yet somebody has just come across and is beautiful than you and we can all see it. But you can't simply see it. You are refusing to accept it. You don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You are sober in your thinking. You think appropriately about yourself. You see, the thing about humility is that it's a mindset thing. It's a mind. Is a mind. Yeah, you have to set your mind. If you are going to be humble, it starts with a mindset. Set your mind. There's a point Reverend and I made that really, really touched me. He says, when you think that others are better, you are naturally disposed to treat them well. Is that not it? Yeah. When you think that Pastor Ray is a good person, he deserves respect. When I think of him like that, the moment I see him, my first behavior towards him is that of respect, not dishonor. But when I feel that this guy is nobody, I can just walk over him, I can just tell him anything. It is only easy for me to disrespect him. And the Bible says we should think not highly of ourselves. We should think soberly. In other words, when you think of yourself that you are good, also think that others are good. Are you here with me? Yeah. yeah. Don't see yourself as the only person there. Oh God, nobody is better than you. No, no, no. Because the reality is that there is somebody who is better than you. You are here to meet him. Am I communicating here? You are here to meet him. You are here to meet him. Once the person has not showed up, just keep quiet and enjoy the show. When he comes, acknowledge him. That was what John the Baptist did. He was running the show. The Bible said John the Baptist came baptizing and he went into the desert. And when he was in the desert, the whole city went to John in the desert. Can you imagine? A preacher comes to town. There are mega churches in town. He decides to pitch his church along, uh, let's say, uh, Asin Fosu from Kumasi. That's where he decides to go and start the church. And you imagine every Sunday, bus upon bus is moving to uh, Asin Fosu. How many hours do you have to travel to go to get to Asin Fosu? Two hours. Yeah, two hours. And people travel that distance and go. That is what, well, that's what happened when uh, this is John, John the Baptist was a preacher. Everybody went there. There were mega churches in town. All their churches began to fold up and it was raining. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes. Jesus comes on the scene and John the Baptist declared, listen, on the day, on the day where there was massive, a Sunday, mega church service, all the major conference, all the pastors, his associate pastors, all of them are there. Everybody seated. You can even call it international or national convention. That's it. Everybody seated. Jesus is walking about. Slowly, 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 slowly. In the midst of the service, John the Baptist saw him pause. He said, hey, see the man that is coming. There is no one as great as he. This one, he's so great that I have to drop my mic and go and try, see if I can, he will permit me to untie the lashet of his shoes. 
That was John the Baptist. That's what Jesus could say. Of all men born of women, there is none as great as John the Baptist. Humility set him apart. If you must rise, humility is key. Humility is key. There are people who could have raised serious people after them, raised them up, trained them. You see, great lawyers rate greater lawyers. Are you here with me? Great preachers rate great pre- greater preachers. And great in every field of life. Your successor is what reflects on you as a great uh, a leader. It's not, it's not just what you are able to accomplish by yourself. What you are able to accomplish by yourself is great. But what you are able to help others accomplish makes you a greater person. That's true greatness. True greatness is not just be the best in town. It's great to be the best in town. But if you can make 10 more people be the best in town, you have helped the cause of humanity more than you alone. Because there's very little you alone can single-handedly do. Are you here with me? And there are people who come around and sometimes will look at their potential and they seem to be so much on fire, stronger. You can see that this guy, the way he's going, he's most likely to overtake me. Don't be like a saw and try to eliminate him because you will not, be, if you are a saw, you cannot kill a David. Davids are unkillable. Yeah. Are you here with me? Yeah. You don't, you don't. You, you will try your best. At the end of the day, you end up dying and Davids are living on. And they will leave a lasting legacy. Why? Because God has singled them out for such purpose. Are you here? So understand that. Watch out for people like that. Just help them develop. Invest in them. Train them. Give them opportunities. Let them rise. And when they rise, in their greatness is your greatness. Are you here with me? The Bible said, for thou will show me the path of life. With thee is the fountain of life. In thy light we shall see light. May people see light in your light. I said, may people see light in your light. We need a generation of lecturers who think like this. Who will not frustrate students? I failed this exam seven times. You must fail it 21 times. This is a crazy lunatic who must be retired. We don't need such a person for progress and development in the nation. People sit in offices, public offices, and they sit on people who have great potential to bring a difference. Mavericks, who can bring a great difference. They can't simply restand them. May the Lord help us. Alright, so a humble follower, I said, think soberly of himself. A humble follower is submissive to every God-ordained authority in his life. Somebody say, God has ordained authority in my life. It's in my best interest to submit to it. Yeah, God has ordained interest, authority in our lives. When you come to the family, there's authority. When you come to society, there's authority. When you come to civil authority, there's authority. When you come to the church, there's authority. When you come to a home, there is authority. There is no place where there is no authority. Look at scripture. All through scripture in the letters, it talks about authority. Clearly defined. Why? The reason why God ordains authority principally is because God is a God of order. And he will not countenance disorderliness. God doesn't like entropic states. Where things are just uh, just moving. Basa, basa. No, 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 no. Anywhere you see there is this other chaos, confusion, God is not there. Did you hear what I said? Anywhere there is confusion. If you allow confusion to abound in your home, you will miss God. And when you miss God, you are guaranteed Satan's presence. And when Satan is there, there is confusion in every evil work. Are you here with me? The Bible said God is not the author of confusion. So don't allow this orderliness in your home, in your place of work. If you are leading a team in your place of work, stamp your authority and make sure that it's order. Don't allow people to just mess up. 
Because without order, nothing good can be done. God was going about, he had a dream, and the dream was to create a very beautiful world. When he started it, something went wrong, and there was chaos everywhere. The Bible said darkness was upon the face of the deep. Everything was scattered. God called for light so that there will be order and clarity. Then he continued creation. You must learn as a leader to restore order so that things can move on. Where Somebody say an amen. amen. Of course, we said that a humble person is, is willing to serve and do menial jobs regardless of their position and status in life. Yeah, the higher you go, the more you must carefully bring yourself down. And one of the things that you can do to bring yourself down is to volunteer. Because, you see, I realize that that's one of the things, it's one of the things I personally do to keep myself working in humility. I, I volunteer to off-do menial jobs for people when I have the opportunity. And sometimes you can even do it in your home. You can do it in your home or you can do it for others who are also higher than you. Volunteer to do it. Because once you are doing that, by coming down to do it, it tells something about your life. Humility cannot be assumed. Humility is something that you can walk in practically. And there are things you do practically to demonstrate that. Jesus was leader. Jesus was a Lord. The Bible said he laid his, aside his garment and began to wash his disciples' feet. Number four, we said a humble follower receives correction and godly counsel with the right attitude. Somebody say with the right attitude. With the right. Say with the right attitude. With the right. Okay. And then a humble follower is not easily offended and easily lets go offense whenever it comes. Ask your neighbor, are you easily offended? And ask him again, how long do you hold on to offense? Uh -huh. So these two are very important. Don't be easily offended. In fact, if you have a tendency to be easily offended, that is one of the purest proofs of pride. Proud people easily take offense. Proud people. Proud people. They easily get offended. And when they get offended, Otunfo must come. <laughs> and then, of course, we say that a humble follower receives God's word with meekness. Somebody say a humble follower, a humble receives, follower. God's receives God's word. Say a humble follower, follower. receives God's word. Receive now, listen, if you are going to be helped in life, and if you are going to fulfill destiny in life, your attitude to the word of God is it must be on top. Somebody say, it must be on top. Yeah, it must be on top. It must be on top. The moment your attitude towards God is wrong, your future is already ended. It has ended, but it's waiting to manifest fully that it has ended. If you meet Saul anywhere, ask him how he ended his career as king prematurely because he failed to acknowledge the word of God. God's word came to him. Saul said, no. I've not done anything like that. He said, what is this uh, bleating of sheep I hear? He said, your kingdom shall no longer continue. That was how he ended it prematurely. When you hear the word of God, be moved to respond. Somebody say, be moved to respond. Moved. Yeah. When you hear the word of God about anything and you are convicted, respond with the right attitude. David heard the word. He says, you are a king. You have gone wrong. Immediately, he said, my hands are lifted. Immediately, God also, God saw in his heart. So he told, I've also laid aside your, <laughs> God has a very short fuse. So he has, he can, when he's angry, you see thunder, all kinds of things. But the moment he sees humility, one day he actually went to Ahab 
and he, he declared a very powerful judgment against Ahab, about to destroy him. Then Ahab changed himself, put on a sackcloth, and began, immediately it touched him like this. He sent Elijah, he said, hey, go back to Ahab. See the way the guy has humbled himself. He's touching me. He's touching me. Then God changed his mind. Am I communicating here? Listen, the, I, I'm telling you, one virtue that catches God's attention. You may not be so popular or holy in the eyes of people, but when God sees that virtue in you, there is nowhere he can take you. And I see you rising. Amen. You rise Amen. in humility. Amen. Of course, we said that a humble follower does not see himself as equal to his leader. That's what we talked about last week. Jesus was in the form of God. He did not thought it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. So, as a humble follower, you have to know where you are. As far as your leader is concerned, the way you relate with your husband, the way you relate with your boss, the way you relate with your team leader, it's very, very important. Don't think, sometimes you may even know more than your team leader, but he is your leader. Sometimes you may even have better qualifications than your spouse, but he is your leader. And you need to relate accordingly. Somebody say an amen. amen. Of course. And then number eight, a humble follower obeys or follows instructions at all times. Somebody say obeys or follows instructions at all times. Say a humble follower obeys and follows instruction at all times. Follow instruction. Follow instructions. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Look here. He said, and Jesus and his disciples also had been invited to the wedding. Look at verse 3. When the wine was gone out, see, Jesus' mother said to them, they have no more wine. He came to Jesus. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour is not yet come. So his mother said to his servants, look at that, do whatever he tells you to do. This is the first miracle of Jesus. And let's look at how the miracle came about. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for the ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Six, each holds how many? (laughs) Do, do you know a gallon? <laughs> now, six. And each holding how many? Times six. That's how many? 300 gallons. No, so. But 120 gallons. 120 gallons. And they were supposed to do that. Jesus said to them, as if the mother knew Jesus was going to tell them. He said, he said to his servant, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Can you imagine? <laughs> fill them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some. The first instruction, fill it. The second instruction, he said, draw some and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And what happened? Miracle began to be birthed. A lot of us are praying for miracles. Listen, when you pray to God for a miracle, he gives you an instruction. When you pray to God for a miracle, he gives you an instruction. If you pray for a miracle job, the instruction is right application, look for a job. Am I communicating here? It's not sitting down and watching TV and wasting your time and your life away. Every time you pray for a miracle, God gives you an instruction. Instructions gives birth to more miracles than prayer. 
Never forget it. Your attitude towards spiritual instruction will always determine whether you walk in the miraculous or not. You remember there's an incident in 2 Kings, is it 2 Kings also? Of, uh, yeah, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse uh, 1. You see Naaman, he came. And you see, an instruction will always tell whether you are humble or you are arrogant. That's one of the proofs. Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had a leprosy. Look at verse 8. So when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. It blessed me just before I came into the building. The Holy Spirit took my attention and it blessed me. He said, let him come to me and he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So this man issues, uh, the king issued, the king uh, in whose army the man is a soldier, issues a letter to uh, 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 the king of Israel and tells him, listen, heal this guy for me. The king receives a letter. He says, listen, I've not been to a medical school. I've never been trained as a doctor. What are you talking about? You are looking for an opportunity to come and fight me. And I'm not interested in a fight. So he got afraid. He tore his clothes. Perplexed, not knowing what he was going to do. Then Elijah the prophet's head and said, let him come to me. Come. Tell whoever the challenge is, let him come to me. And you will know there's a prophet in Israel. So please take note. Let him come to me. That was it. So this man knew that he was going to meet a great prophet in Israel. And he, there he goes. Verse 9. Neman went with his horses and chariots. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. Because let him come to me. He didn't say come and I'll give you instruction. Let him come to me. So he's coming. He has come to the place, stood in front of his house. Elisha didn't appear. He didn't go at all. He just sent a messenger. Messenger! Be careful what you do with messengers. Be careful. Be careful. I am very particular at how people handle people I have sent. If I send somebody anywhere to you, the way you handle him will determine whether our relationship will continue or it will not continue. Be careful how you handle people who have been sent to you. People who have been sent to you. People who have been sent to you. Be very, very careful. Be very careful. Be very careful. Sent. Child went. In the child's hand was this man's healing. Did you see that? Yeah, the child was carrying. This messenger that was sent carried the healing of the prophet because if the child came and said, uh, uh, the king said, go back to your land. That was not the instruction. So he wasn't going to get the healing. The moment he met, he said, look, say, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. And look at arrogance, arrogance, pride, pride. How can Papa say he wants to see me and I've been sitting here for one hour? Am I complicating here? That's your pride has to be humble. I interviewed some guys some time back. I was part of a, an interview panel where I interviewed some guy. And when the meeting was just about to start uh, for us to uh, do the interview, I, I just told them that, listen, this guy is very impressive. And by all means, he's likely to be taken. But let's test his emotional intelligence. I just, it just dropped in my ear. So first to come, they ignore him. They said the meeting, we have rescheduled it to three hours from now. That was not my suggestion. That was a suggestion from one of the panelists. 
So that's it. What I asked them what we can do to test his emotional intelligence. And somebody suggested that we should do that. I said, I think it's fine. So we kept it. Five to three hours, this guy is sitting down. When he came in, do you know what he first did? He, his, his first, we asked him, how, how are you? And if I, when, you know, emotional intelligence, you can see it from a person's face. When you meet a person who is emotionally intelligent, you can see it from his face. When somebody is angry, you can, you, okay, you will see it now. The muscles on your face, they will show. So when he sat down, I asked him, it looks like you, you seem to be very upset. Is there something wrong? He said, oh, nothing is really wrong. It's just that I've been sitting here for too long. I said, this guy. I just said in my head, this guy has failed. And we didn't pick him. By the time we finished, you see, the paperwork was sharp. How you present yourself, it matters a lot. I'm telling you, in, in most high places, they don't decide on people based on their documentations. Because most of the time, when such decisions are being made, usually the people they will gather, their application will sieve out the best of the best. So everybody is sharp. So if you are looking for first class, almost everybody has first class. So really, what are you going to use to tell? That's where these things come in. And when it comes to emotional intelligence, nothing makes you more emotionally intelligent like the word of God. God's word and the spirit of God makes you more. Can you imagine this? Just imagine this. That the fruit of the spirit, peace, joy, patience, temperance, self-control, all of these fruits are fully at work in you. How emotionally intelligent will you not be? Am I communicating here? It's not, it's, not, it's not something you go and watch Facebook and uh, see how can I become emo more emotionally intelligent. No. Just grow in the spirit and allow the word of God to work on you. And you'll be emotionally intelligent. You will know when to speak, when to shut up. You will know which question to answer, which one not to answer. I'm not complicating here at all. So, obedience to instruction. Obedience to instruction. And you don't just obey. You see, you can obey when your leader is around. But where your obedience is tested is when your leader is absent. Most of us go to places we work and as long as our bosses are around, we do a very decent job. The moment they go, we get into a chit-chatting mood and we begin to talk about things, unnecessary things, be on phone, what all kinds of things. And yet, we go back to churches, we pray for elevation and promotion. God is a smart God. He doesn't promote lazy people. I'm not communicating here. God doesn't promote lazy people. God doesn't promote people who are less productive. Those who bring dishonor to his name, he will never elevate them. Are you here with me? When Joseph found himself in Potiphar's house, he distinguished himself. Every assignment was given. He did it with excellence and dedication. So he kept on being promoted. In the house, he was one of the last to be employed or engaged as a servant. And yet, they handed over everything to him. The same thing happened when he went to the prison. They handed everything in the prison to him because of humility. May God grace us with humility. Amen. May we increase in humility. Amen. A humble follower obeys instructions at all times. Followers who ignore instructions are very dangerous people. They are what? They can cause a lot of heartache and pain. I look at uh, the army of David. And one man who caused David a lot of pain was Joab. Somebody say Joab. 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 Let's read a bit about Joab. Second Samuel. I think I need to read this to help someone. David now mastered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. Look at this. Joab was appointed by David. Somebody appoints him to do a job. Verse 2. He sent the troops 
out in three regions, placing one group under Joab. Look at that. One under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zerah, and one under Attire, the man from Gath. The king told his troops, I am going out with you. Look at this. But his men objected strongly, you must not go the edge. If we have to run, if you have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, look at this. These guys understood leadership. It made no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us. And it is better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. This is a very important principle in leadership. Now go. If you think that that's the best plan, I will do it. That's a wonderful leader. A leader who can agree to suggestions from his followers. You are not a great leader if you are always dishing instructions. You must be able to sit down with your team and find out how can we do this better. And when they speak, a wise leader listens. I'm not communicating here. That was David. He says, if you think that's what I'm going to do. So he stood aside along the gate of the town as all the troops marched on in, in groups of hundreds and of thousands. Go to verse number six. So the battle began. Please give me verse five because that's where I think the instruction is. So the king gave this command. Can you see that? He gave what? This command to who? Joab. Now, don't forget there were three uh, commanders. But he gave it to Joab. In other words, among the commanders, Joab was senior. He gave it to him and said, Abisha and I the three of them started. The, the order, the names appear is very important. All the three commands. In other words, in whichever command you encounter Absalom, the instruction is gone out. The Bible says, for my sake, deal gently with Absalom. Look at it too. For my sake, do gently with Absalom. And all the troops, look at that. Had the king give this order to his commanders. This is where you see real rebellion and danger. Where you are leading a team. And I see God bring you into great leadership. He, he gave an, everybody in the army heard this. And that, that was a trap already. But this man was not smart and sensitive. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim. Verse 6. Look at this. The battle raged. Yeah. And the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day. And 20,000 men laid down their lives. The battle raged across the countryside. And more men died because of the forest and were killed by the sword. During the battle, Absalom. Look at this. Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule. But as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in his tree and his mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. The thing that made him stand out, Minister Law, is the same thing that also led to his death. The thing that made him stand out is the same thing that killed him. Absalom's hair. In fact, when he took his hair, it was a, those days it's not Brazilian hair. <laughs> All the ladies wanted it because it, it was such a, a, a beautiful sight to hold. Now verse 9, verse 10. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Joab demanded. You saw him there and he didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with 10,000 pieces of silver and a hero's bet. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm teaching here? Now, just suppose that with the king's instruction. He says, that's what I would have done. It's like, this is somebody who is bitter and has a fight to pick with the king. I will not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver. That's a loyal lawyer. Now, this was not a commander. 
He was a follower who understood what it meant to be loyal. I will not. The man replied to Joab, We all heard the king say to you and Abishar, and Atai, for my sake, please spare Absalom. And verse 13, look at this. And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, and the king will certainly find out who did it, you yourself will be the first to abandon me. Very smart. No, no, he knows. He knows because now if a person can flout the top guy, he will be able to dispense anybody. He understood that. He understood that. Look at verse 14. Enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled still alive in the great tree. Look at verse number 15. Ten of Joab's young, men, uh, young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it and all Israel fled to their homes. Can you imagine? When you have someone around you who does not follow instructions, be very careful. Clear instructions. Sometimes the instructions we give are not clear and sometimes it leaves people to misinterpretation and all kinds. As a leader, give clear instructions and then watch out for those who follow. And if you are following or working with anybody, when instructions are given, please be very careful how you relate with it. It can lead to your, your rising or your demotion. And I see you rising in the name of Jesus. A humble follower is sendable. Somebody say, a humble follower is sendable. Yeah, we are told, Mark chapter 10, 3, verse 13 to 15. And he went up on a mountain and called to those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Jesus called the disciples and brought them to him. And his agenda was to send them. Send them. Send them. Send them. Send them. A humble follower can be sent. There is an adage in tree. They say, Osuma anamotintia. Yeah. Onemu jo. Because you don't move. But you are never at peace. Because you don't know. Yeah. There are some people. When you send them, I'm telling you. <laughs> you are praying because <laughs> sometimes you are better off going. But you see, if you are a leader and you have to also go everywhere, you can't do much. So you have to learn to send people. And that's why we need to be good followers. A faithful ambassador is health to him that sent him. A faithful ambassador. If you send a faithful man, Proverbs 25, 13, like the cord of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. Like a cord of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those. For he ref refreshes the soul of his what? Masters. He, ref he brings refreshing. But if you check the New Living Translation of uh, uh, Proverbs 26, verse 6, that is not a, an exciting thing. New International Version. Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. Can you see that? Yeah. When you send a message by the wrong guy, it's worse off. <laughs> you have signed your death warrant. May God surround you with wise people. Amen. Of course. I want to take some time and work this. A faithful follower, uh, uh, a humble follower is an excellent team player. Somebody say an excellent team player. An excellent say team player. an excellent team player. An excellent you see, the thing about life is that most things are done in teams. Somebody say most things are done in teams. Uh -huh. Life was never designed to be done alone. Say that with me. Life was never designed to be done 
Say it. Life was never designed to be done. Say it again. Life was never designed to be done alone. No. No. The Bible says in the beginning, God made them male and female created them. He made everything in twos. Male and female, male and female. God designed life to function in a, in a communal way, not in a separate way. So in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9, he said, Woe unto him that is two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor. For if the one falleth, one will help his neighbor up. But verse 10 says, But woe unto him who is alone, for if he falls, he has no one to help him. It's dangerous to go through life and when you fall, you have no one to help you. Because there's a time where you don't intend to fall, but you fall. Nobody goes through life intending to fall. Nobody goes through life praying that he, he will crash on the highway. No. But along the line, you will just find yourself. It's just like a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho or so and fell among thieves. He didn't plan for it, but it happened. And when it happens and God does not send you aid, you will be gone. So life was never designed to be done alone. Ministry was never designed to be done alone. You go to health service, it's never done alone. You go to public service, it's never done. Everywhere you go, anywhere you see that things are working, don't just think that one person is making things work. Because one person really can make things work. One person is good at starting something. But one person can grow a thing. One person can make something become great. Am I communicating here? If you are the owner of Mercom, you are great at starting Mercom. But listen, if you must have Mercom in Tanoso, Mercom in Edum, Mercom in Santasi, Mercom, listen, you better find other people to work with you. Am I communicating here? And there are some of us, we simply don't know how to work with other people. You must learn it. I don't know why my business is not growing. I know why. It's not growing because you are the only person who is doing it. Because anything that grows, multitudes are doing it. Are you here with me? Anything that grows, see the banks, Echo Bank, all over the place. Commercial Bank, all over the place. Can you imagine the MD says, I want to be the only person called the manager. The manager in this organization. I'm not talking about manager. The title manager should, shall not be shared with anybody. Just me. We will perish in Accra. But to send it, you need regional managers, you need branch managers. You other people must take a stake in the matter. And we must learn to work in teams. Sometimes one of the people who are very poor at working with in teams are gifted people. Very gifted. So they think that they can use their gift to control everybody. But listen, life is not just about gifts. There are some people who must teach you how to manage the gifts. Am I communicating here? That's why musical artists need managers. That's why great football sports uh, athletes, they need great managers. You need them. You must always work in a team. You see, there's this revelation I saw in the book of uh, uh, Exodus. Let me share something brief with you. Exodus chapter 33. There was one man God sent on an assignment, and that man made a statement that really God also responded to. Then I realized that, no, this is very serious. Moses said to the Lord, see, you said to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Now, please follow this very closely. That's what Moses said. He said, you have sent me on a mission, but you have not sent, you let me know who is going with me. Because uh, my little understanding is that these things are not done alone. I have been an army general in Egypt, and I was a commander of a, a, a group. So I know that these things are not done alone. Who is going with me? Then the Lord said, yet 
You said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, this is what it means. It means that when God knows you and God gives you favor, he puts good people around you. Am I communicating here? When you see a man who is surrounded by good people, and it's sad when people have good people and they can't see it. They can't see it. I was speaking to somebody yesterday, and I was just bearing my heart out to him about the potential of somebody I know great. The potential was there, great. Amazing, great people. But he just scattered all of them because he suspects everybody. He, everybody is a suspect, except himself. Everybody, because the truth of the matter is that everybody cannot be a suspect. Jesus approved when he saw that Judas was going to betray him. But he didn't see Peter. He said, Peter, you are a suspect. Matthew, you are a suspect. In fact, all of you, I suspect you. No, 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 no. He didn't do that. Even Judas, who he knew, he made him do the things he needed him to do because he needed Judas to do something. You see, a great leader learns to work with all kinds of people. The ones you like, the ones you don't like. I'm not communicating. The ones who share the same temperament with you, the ones who don't share the same temperament. Because if everybody is hot, hot, hot like you, I'm telling you, we will die early. Everybody is hot, hot, hot. Kasaboom. Everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me, I, I want my kind of people. You will destroy anything you are building. Because your kind of people may be a great starter. But you don't have the capacity to sustain. You don't have the capacity to nurture. You don't have the capacity to keep people together. I'm not communicating. So we need somebody who can start. We need somebody who can keep all of us together. We need somebody who can make sure that there's order. I'm not communicating here at all. Now, that's how you build a team. That's how you build a team. That's how you build a team. And let me tell you, if you want to increase in life and become great in life, your ability to work with people is very, very important. Please. It's not a skill we are taught at the uni. It's not a skill you are taught. You have to learn it. I was in tech for four years. They didn't teach me how to relate with people, how to connect with people, how to flow with people, how to have meetings. Like, for instance, you are a leader. When you are called for a meeting and your opinion is all that matters, you won't get the best out of a meeting. Your opinion may be there. It's better that in the meeting your opinion is reserved for the last. You pick, you throw the matter up. Throw the matter out in the air. Let everybody suggest there are perspectives people will bring. You have never thought of all your wisdom that you think you are the only person who carry. That somebody will bring something. You see that this is very beautiful. And when it comes, be humble enough, be smart enough to acknowledge. Listen, this is a beautiful suggestion you have brought. Am I communicating here? Am I communicating here? There are people, they are doing business and when profit comes, they want to chop it alone. They want to chop it alone. All the time, they want to chop it alone. You don't think about your employees and it's just me, my business. Business, no what bread? I started business, no? But for the business to go far, I was saying, oh, my man, for me, I'm not communicating here. Before your time. That is not you. Say amen. amen. Now look at this. But you let me know who you've sent with me. Look at verse 13. You see there are some revelations when they are coming. If you cut it, you don't get it again. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider that these two, these people are great with me. Look at this, verse 14. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
Now, this was something that God was retreating to Moses. It wasn't the first time he was telling him that he would go with him. When he called him, amongst many things, he assured him that he was going to go with him. But, I mean, the, the thing that really beats me is that Moses, God says he's going with you, and Moses says, I still need people. Because God is a spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is a spirit. So there are things spirits do. There are things human beings do. God is a spirit. So I want some. I want a human being like me that I can dialogue with. Who go with me? I can't see you, but I can see these people. All the time I may be praying. You may not speak, but sometimes while I'm waiting to hear your voice, some of the wise people around they can give me some suggestions that can help make my work easier. So God, let me know who is going to go with me. And Moses had seventy people. So God said, "Bring seventy people. I'll pour your spirit upon them." You look, everybody God gave assignment never did it alone. Paul had companions. Jesus had companions. Everywhere, everyone who achieves anything great works in a team. How come you can't work with a team? The Bible said, oh, how good, how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. You can't simply be a part of any team because you are strongly opinionated. When you come for a meeting, even when you are not chairing the meeting, you want all your ideas to be taken. And if it's not taken, you feel insulted. You know why you feel insulted when your idea is not taken? It's because of pride. You are too proud that your stupid idea in your head, that it sounds so perfect, but in everybody's head, we see it as very stupid. You expect all of us to follow it so that we'll go and collapse and crash the ship. And because we are not following it, you think that everybody's wrong, you are right. You can't be right all the time. I'm not communicating here. Sometimes your wife can bring a perspective. And you are the leader, I'm the head. Follow me. Yes, you are the head. And a good head nurtures other heads. You know, I, I read something which I quoted in my book in 2008. Uh, a quote by President Woodrow Wilson from the United States. He said, do not use only the brains you have. Borrow all the brains you can. That has guided me a lot in leadership. 2008. Don't use the brains you have. Borrow all the brains you can. Because listen, in your brain, in, even in our ad days, they say Tikron Kwejna. And I want to be that. That one, I don't know how to interpret it in, in English. But that's it. One person can't think all the things all the time. So you are the president, there's council of state. You are the president, you have cabinet ministers. And when they speak, you have to learn to listen. May the Lord help us Amen. to become great leaders. Amen. May the Lord help us so that we can work as a team. May the Lord help us to be great and humble followers. In the mighty name of Jesus. That everywhere we find ourselves, we shall be distinguished as true followers. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. 
Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no.